Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and online. Welcome to episode 161. Coming up on this week's show, we talk about Major League Soccer TV ratings from the opening weekend, El Clasico TV ratings, rebound, uh, our thoughts about El Clasico TV coverage, as well as some insights in regards to Tuduene Zona Football. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, alongside Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, we are recording this live in the studios of Zona Football, uh, part of uh, Univision's uh, Tudo NA uh, studio in Miami. It's, uh, it's Thursday and we're recording this. We just did an interview with the team at Zona Football uh, to learn more about um, the platform and, and the plans for, for the next couple of years or so. Uh, what's your initial thoughts? Well, it's Thursday, so it's Zona Football Day, right? For, <laughs> yeah. for us normally because of Europa League. It's uh, fantastic to be here because... I think we know on the outside, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, what an intricate p- production it has to be. When you've got eight matches, ten matches, sixteen matches on some uh, uh, match days, right? We just had a round of uh, round of thirty-two in the Europa League, where there were sixteen matches, you know, eight and eight uh, it, during the course of the, ma- uh, the day to to uh, to weave in and weave out of this production, and, and we got a lot of insight into what they do and how they do it and why it's been so successful and how they've been able to attract. Uh, an audience that maybe were not focused on watching football on 2D NAR on Univision previously. So uh, looking forward to very soon have, hammering out a piece that you can read at worldsoccertalk.com on Zona Football and on 2D NA in general. Hammering out. All right, Kartik. So, yeah, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. So that'll be on worldsoccertalk.com soon, an article that goes in more in-depth about uh, Zona Football. Uh, we're big fans, so we're actually that's one of the reasons we came down here to, to do NA to, to learn more about it and uh, to interview some of the people behind the scenes. Now, in terms of this past week, uh, a lot of television coverage, of course, uh, football from around the world. We had the opening weekend of uh, MLS. We had uh, El Clasico. Uh, we had... Doors, uh, which is what they're going to do now for the next month in Serie A, uh, but they did not play that match. So my match of the week was actually, and I'm sorry, going to offend uh, a number of people here, was actually from the bridge on Tuesday... Chelsea Liverpool. Wow. Um, I thought it was a very, very good match of football. I have not seen Chelsea play uh, with that level of energy and that level of intensity in a while. They have a very young team, and I think they've hit a wall and uh, fitness break- breakdown, etc. What we saw in this match, I thought, was 
Uh, Pedro, who is one of my favorite players of the last decade in world football, uh, reassert himself uh, as a top player. Uh, Ross Barkley was phenomenal. I just felt like um, that was the Chelsea that we saw some of last season under Sarri, that, that, that really fun style, and that Lampard has tried to implement this season and, and has had some difficulty at times. So I had a lot of fun with that match. Um, no, that's not a shot at Liverpool. I just loved the way <laughs> Chelsea played football on Tuesday, and that's the, the best I've seen them in a while. For me, it was uh, El Clasico, which is kind of a boring, predictable um, kind of guess. My, my favorite game of the week, but it really was an entertaining game from start to finish. It was very frenetic. It was uh, it was hardly a break in that game. Uh, it was full on excitement levels, uh, intensity, and um, I mean, nil nil at halftime. Second half was 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 uh, even the goals came. But the one thing I thought that uh, was a downer for me on El Clasico. And we'll get into the TV numbers in a little bit. But the, the downer were, for me was that first half and second half, uh, BN Sports broke in with a, with a commercial for Extra, for BN Sports Extra, their free channel, which that's great that they have that channel. But what they did, it was very disruptive, like right in the middle of um, the first half. I mean, again, frenetic action. They break into a commercial, takes over the whole entire screen, and they get rid of the, t- the crowd noise and talk about BN Sports Extra. Yeah, I hate. I hate. It that, happened in the second that. half too. Second half too. And, Same and, exact thing. And, and I think it was actually on the corner in the second half, if really? I remember correctly, or maybe a free kick. But I, I was annoyed to no end about this. I understand, Chris, and I think we all do. The predicament being is in, and we sympathize with it. But that that it was just. Yeah, I, I can't even. I can't even describe how in, in uh, just. Yeah. yeah. Well, but but, but uh, so yeah, they're in a predicament, and the predicament is that they have lack of distribution. Uh, the the answer is that they have this free channel, which they're trying to get uh, greater distribution for. That, that I have nothing, no no problems with that. The problem I have is the way they went about about doing it. You could have had a uh, something on the bottom, a ticker or something, but uh, to actually interrupt the broadcast of the game to have a, a commercial that seemed to be about thirty seconds for being sports extra, I thought it was just a really really. Poor, poor attempt, and, and and really, I guess I don't know. It just just uh, left a really bitter taste in my mouth in terms of the the way that they did it. It was just so blatant uh, that really set me off. I was really upset about that. I, I have a theory about this though because uh, they have to prove to La Liga, who is concerned, we know about the distribution of BN in this country, and they've just re-upped a global deal with BN that they have a means or a mechanism to engage. Uh, a larger fan audience than they have currently. So that might have been why it was done. Uh, it may have been less for us and more for uh, as a rights holder for La Liga, but it just it just didn't come off well. Yeah, but 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 then again though too, I mean like it's it's a channel being sports extra that does not have any Barcelona games, Real Madrid games or Atleti games. Um, the amount of soccer coverage it does have is it's usually league league games uh, and then some some of the smaller La Liga games. So um it's just a way to go ahead and get direct dis- distribution to the consumer that bypasses the Comcast of the world and the, the, the direct TVs of the world. But um, I don't know. I just thought it was a really poor decision from somebody at the top uh, at BN Sports to do that. Nakartik, uh, before, before we move on to the, the, uh, the news section, um, I think you talked about the, uh, what was it, the uh, fantasy football? Oh, geez. So, <laughs> so um, obviously there were a bunch of, bunch of matches postponed in England because of the League Cup final. So I play in a very competitive fantasy league. It's not one of these online, you know, free fantasy leagues. It's a, we pay a lot of money to get into it. 
Um, I have a number of injuries and guys who cannot play. So I essentially have only 11 guys that can play. One of them is Ismail Asar. I know I have to move him into my lineup. 99% of the time I would have. From Watford? From Watford. Right. Um, for some reason, I blanked out. I was watching the Bundesliga. I was getting sidetracked with my knees, uh, doing some political stuff. Super Tuesday coming up. 11.30 to 12.30 Eastern. Forget to update my lineup. 12.31 kickoff. I realized I did. I'm like, ah, he'd probably get me like two or three points anywhere. Maybe he'd lose me points because Watford's going to get killed, right? Mm-hmm. By Liverpool. Yeah. He gets two goals and an assist. <laughs> Worst. So I was so depressed. I didn't watch football the rest of the day. Didn't think about football. Didn't, it was just incredible. I end up winning the week anyway because Calvert-Lewin gets a goal the next day mm-hmm. because David De- David De Gea hit the ball off his uh, his kneecap or whatever. And, yeah. uh, and I got the points from Calvert-Lewin's goal and I won anyway. But uh, fantasy football... Now, we talk about how it enhances your experience as a viewer. Sometimes it can absolutely ruin your experience <laughs> when you mess up like that. It just sends you into a depression yeah. uh, if you play in a competitive league like I do. I think, I think we've all been there uh, in some, some point in time where we've forgotten to uh, put, uh, change our team at the last minute and then it's too late. Uh, looking at Major League Soccer from this past weekend, I was impressed by the coverage. Um, starting off on Saturday, I, I watched the... Uh, the game, the LA Galaxy against Houston um, on uh, Tuduene on, on Univision, uh, seemed to be a really good broadcast. Um, a focus, of course, on Chicharito. Uh, I was impressed by Chicharito in terms of on the pitch, bossing people around, uh, really playing the role of captain. You could see that he's really passionate. I think he's, go- he's going to be demanding a lot out of his players, his teammates uh, at the Galaxy. Um, but a good broadcast, um, I-, I mean, a-, a relatively good game, um, no problems there. Uh, moving into the evening, and I thought Fox did a really good job yeah. on the uh, Nashville against Atlanta. Also having a halftime interview with Don Garber on there. Yeah, I, I have to say I think Sarah Walsh was better as a host than uh, Rob Stone typically, so at least from my personal preferences. So I, I liked the job she did. Uh, she was very business-focused on, on MLS and on the match and on Nashville's opening. So I, I thought that was, And John Strong was very, very good. Stuel Holden is always very good. I... I uh, I'm a beat about Fox because I've always come into the MLS season watching Fox the first few weeks and then scratching my head and then uh, saying, "Gosh, you know, they're just so off the off the the, the standards set by ESPN." But uh, I was really pleased with Fox's broadcast that night, and, and, and I echo your views on 2DNA, the, the Galaxy Houston game. Alexi Lalas also very focused, very good. We've talked about on previous shows, Chris, how good Lalas is with the Bundesliga and how poor he tends to be by comparison with U.S. men's national team and MLS. That was the Bundesliga Lalas we saw uh, on uh, with Sarah Walsh, Nashville, Atlanta. So uh, hopefully he keeps it up. Uh, Alexi's back, or at least he's having a resurgence in his career. Yeah, and then on Sunday with MLS, there was the uh, Seattle against Chicago game on ESPN. This one was, um, I think, Adrian Healy and, and Ali Moreno. Ali Moreno. Yeah. It was strange watching this game because the, the, the picture looked very washed out. It was very bright. I'm not sure if that was because of the, the Astro pitch. And just, I don't know, it, just the, the visuals didn't look that good. Uh, the commentary is okay. Uh, the game was pretty boring. There was, I mean, it, was, it wasn't on the entertainment level there in terms of the excitement. Um, that led into the uh, LAFC against Inter Miami. Uh, Taylor Twellman and John Champion and a lot more excitement about this game. Um, the game itself was not much to talk about. I was not impressed by Inter Miami's start in this game. It's, it's their debut game. There's a long way to go. Um, but the coverage was fine. John Champion and, and uh, Twellman did well. And uh, and then I, I missed the FS1 uh, game on the, on the Sunday night. Yeah, the, the Portland-Minnesota game. Speaking of... Uh 
uh, Taylor Twelman banter with Taylor Twelman is a new show that is on the ESPN app and on YouTube. It's not on ESPN Plus, but if, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think most people watch Plus in their app anyway. Uh, check it out. It, it, it was uh, I like Taylor, uh, and I, I like what he does. I really was impressed by this show, even though it was. Uh, uh, we, we're, we're at the very beginning of it. I, I think he has an energy and an analytical quality that lends itself a lot of times to these kind of one, one-off shows where he can rant and rave about things. I really liked it. So let's move on to the, the news section. And uh, the news section actually is going to be a lot of uh, MLS news. And this is something that um, in the last several months, or actually the last several years, we've been very following very closely in terms of uh, reporting about and talking about uh, the streaming side of things in terms of OTT over the top, uh, everything from ESPN Plus to uh, BR Live and uh, all of the other di- different types of streaming solutions. Well, here's a quote here from uh, Don Garber at last week's uh, media conference in New York City. Uh, Don Garber says, I do believe in the new world, the new streaming over the top world. Media companies are going to need Major League Soccer sports content more in the future than they have ever done in the past. Secondly, we have an audience that delivers something that most other properties don't. It's very young, very diverse, and therefore I think our media partners will need us more tomorrow than they have in the past. Kardik, what does that say to you? Well, that says to me, one, they're going to be looking at uh, more OTT options. It says to me also that the rumors we've heard about them bundling uh, all of the local team rights together and potentially putting that together as a package uh, for an OTT service uh, is a viable thing. And three, I think he's right about the young and diverse. I will tell you, and I think, Chris, you've had these same conversations. People tell me that uh, that uh, close or, or in NBC that one of the big attractions of the Premier League for them, we, we report numbers and we see maybe stagnant numbers, right? But the exciting thing for them is as the media space evolves and transforms the Premier League audience, is disproportionately young and diverse. So I think it's the same sort of thing with MLS. That has added value to sponsors, advertisers, and broadcast companies uh, versus maybe just comparing stagnant numbers. Yeah, it's Major League Soccer is in the perfect place at the perfect time to take advantage of this. I mean, you've got everything from, you look at the big picture, you look at Amazon Prime, uh, they've done the deals with the, the Premier League in the UK, could possibly be interested in in the U.S. market in terms of getting more into the sports side of things. They're already doing, what, Thursday NFL games. PGA Tour and some NBA. Yeah, and then you've got uh, everyone else then, too. You've got uh, BR Live that has lost the the rights to the UEFA uh, League. Uh, We know we reported on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that uh, Turner Sports uh, has mentioned that Major League Soccer is of interest to them. Uh, So there there you have a new player that could be um, BR Live showing you MLS games. At the same time, you've got DAZN, uh, which is uh, run by former ESPN um, president uh, John Skipper. And DAZN's um, got a lot of investment capital. They're looking for ways to get into this, the soccer streaming space. Major League Soccer could be a perfect fit for that. Um, and then, if, of course, you've got all the other players. You've got the, the Foxes of the world. You've got ESPN with ESPN+, Plus, uh, Univision, um, Telemundo, others. There's a lot of people coming together at the same time. You've got CBS. In CBS, you've got All Access. There's a lot of players that I think will be event- will be interested in Major League Soccer rights and the timing in terms of this deal, which is, ends at the end of uh, 2022, so that the rights, um, the bidding probably will start in 2021. 
the conversations have already started. We know that uh, MLS has been speaking to the different broadcasters and having initial discussions and conversations about uh, this deal that, that will happen. So it looks like this is going to be bigger than the last TV deal. A lot of the reasons why is because of increased competition. Uh, at the same time, it's very likely that these rights will be intertwined, will be combined with rights to U.S. soccer. So both the, the men's national team and the women's national team. And then going into the uh, 2026 uh, World Cup, there's a huge opportunity here to acquire the rights and to ride that wave of Major League Soccer and U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team from 2022 all the way through to 2026 and possibly beyond. Um, I think Major League Soccer is in a perfect spot. Yeah, I think they're in a very good position. Now, the big question is the length of the right cycle uh, the, for the next right cycle. This one was, uh, was actually eight seasons, starting in 2015 and ending in 2022, and included all U.S. men's and women's national team uh, a non-tournament, right? The things that weren't contracted through, through FIFA or, or CONCACAF uh, in it. The question is, do you do that same eight years, you go 2023 to 2030, which would include a lead-up all the way to the 2030 World Cup and a potential uh, bump from the 2026 World Cup? Let's say uh, soccer becomes much more popular because of that event. Uh, does MLS, uh, are they able to sell the potential rights holders on the value from 2026 to 2030 being, let's say, twice the value of 2022 to 2026 and run that uh, that rights deal all the way through 2030? Or do they split it and just go the four years till 2026, thinking after that, uh, as, there's a, uh, as there's momentum coming out of 26, we can get even more money? I think that's going to be very interesting to, to see. Yeah, and, and this really actually makes uh, 2020 the season that we're in now with Major League Soccer hugely important in terms of TV ratings. It's more important than ever that these numbers are as strong as ever. Uh, if there's a decline or a dip in the ratings this season, uh, this could put some doubts in, in the minds of some of the, uh, the TV broadcasters and streaming partners out there where they might uh, reconsider perhaps um, the amount of bids that they want to put in. Uh, even if there is a lot of competition. So so looking at the TV ratings from this opening weekend, uh, we had Nashville against Atlanta on Fox, on the Fox network, uh, 756,000 viewers. Kotick, uh higher or lower than you anticipated? Lower. I, I thought it was going to be a, a much bigger number because it was Nashville's opener, first ever match, and Atlanta uh, carries a lot of popularity. Now, they brought a lot of fans with them, and, and the crowd was amazing. And then I said I thought Fox did an outstanding job. Uh, with the broadcast and, and actually gave us a, a, an extended uh, pregame that I wasn't expecting and, and a good postgame. So uh, that was lower than I expected. And it's prime time. It's prime yeah, time yeah, on, it's a, prime on a Saturday time on a, night. On an over-the-air channel. On the over-the-air channel. Uh, next up was uh, Houston against LA Galaxy on Univision and Tuduene. Uh, this one had a total of 558,000 viewers on this one. Uh, lower or higher than you anticipated? So it's, it, initially it was lower than I anticipated because I've been touting that the uh, the Chicharito bounce. But then I think about the 3.30 time on a Saturday in between Bundesliga, Premier League matches and Liga Emeki's matches, I actually think it was a pretty good number. So I'm going to say... Uh, with some perspective higher, not significantly higher, but higher. All right, three more to go. LAFC against Inter Miami on ESPN on Sunday, uh, primetime then. And this was uh, 463,000 viewers. Um, higher or lower than uh, you anticipated? Much higher. Much higher. I thought, Me too. I, I thought this would be like 250 or 300. I, I think ESPN 
did a great job of promoting this, and I think it was South Florida, really, Miami for Lauderdale Media Market, that did it with the 1.5 rating in that market. Yeah, and also I think I think the Beckham effect. I mean, you have right. Beckham. Which, speaking of which, I wrote a story about the Beckham effect having an effect on the TV ratings for the opening weekend. Uh, coincidentally, FS1 is going to debut a documentary on Friday night on FS1 uh, called The Beckham Effect that talks about uh, the story of uh, David Beckham uh, getting the team from uh, Major League Soccer in, into Miami and all the struggles and kind of the the journey that he's been on to to get to where we are with with this team. Um, next up is uh, Seattle against Chicago on ESPN on Sunday afternoon. Uh, this one was 311,000 viewers. Higher or lower? Higher because uh, Chicago, okay, I know they've rebranded. I know they're making some moves. Although, t- truthfully, their, their their roster looks like the roster of an expansion team. but um, and, and it actually looks worse than the two expansion teams, in my opinion. But um, I didn't. I don't expect anyone to watch a Chicago game. So I, I assume that Seattle. It's in Seattle. They get sixty thousand fans. You may get like two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand other fans to watch it. It was three hundred thousand. So maybe Chicago does have some fans. I don't think they do. Uh, I think it's all people curious about Seattle. But it was higher. This was higher too because of uh, I thought with El Clasico being at the, uh, practically the same time that that would impact the the viewing yeah, number. But um, yeah, three hundred eleven is decent for that for that game. Last but not least, uh, Portland against Minnesota on FS1, uh, two hundred twenty nine thousand viewers. Higher or lower? Lower, and I think it was burnout because you had El Clasico. You were going to have uh, Juve Inter. You didn't, uh, but you had Premier League. You had the uh, the LAFC Inter Miami match. You had a lot League. of MLS the previous night. League, just, Cu- League Cup final. We we haven't even talked about. Oh, League Cup final. Right, yeah. it was on ES. I knew there was something I was forgetting on ESPN <laughs> Plus. League Cup final. I think we yeah. all forgot about that yeah. one, Kartik. No, I no watched offense. it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to me, actually, that number is higher than I anticipated. Uh, Fox on the Sunday nights, the FS1. You Usually gets about anywhere from 150,000 to maybe 199,000. Sometimes lower than that. So for 229 uh, for that mark, for that that game that actually was was better than, than I anticipated. So looking at the numbers, for the most part, um, most of them were about what we anticipated or a little bit higher. Uh, I think to me the only big disappointment was the one on Fox on the 756,000 viewers for that one for the National Atlanta. At the same time this weekend, I mean, you had the El Clasico, and with all the issues with distribution for being sports and being sports in Espanol, this number, it, it, it surprised me, pleasantly surprised me. Uh, it was 940,000 people tuned in to watch El Clasico on uh, being sports and being sports uh, in Espanol combined. That That's a pretty decent number, Kartik. It's a shocking number, actually, I bet, because... I guess maybe you could argue that the people who still have BN all have it for a reason, but uh, given the limited distribution, I don't know what the rating point is for that, but it's got to be pretty high, actually, because they're, they're, they're only in about 10 or 12 million homes. Yep. So uh, that's, all, that's like a, a 1.0 rating, I think, if I'm doing my math correctly, or a little higher. Yeah, and then you look at Nashville against Atlanta on Fox over the air network. Um, 100-something million homes. Yeah, like 120 million homes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 10 times the, the number of homes and had a lower number, 756,000 yeah. viewers there too. So um, so good news for BN Sports and uh, kind of a much a big relief for them in many ways in terms of it, just, it does show that people are interested in watching that network and um, even distribution problems or not, that's the strongest number that El Clasico has had since 2017 in the United States. 
Moving on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up uh, is Tim Keane. And Kartik, he, he points this one at you. Kartik, don't you dare have a Bundesliga game as your game of the week. Come on, your irons. And I guess, I guess what was your game of the week? Oh, no, it was the Chelsea-Liverpool. So, okay, there you go. Good. <laughs> Next up is Bill Reese. Bill Reese says um, the hosts, Kartik and Chris, have cited the lack of promotion and relegation as one of the things holding back the growth of MLS and U.S. soccer. Meanwhile, Liga Mekis recently announced that it will do away with promotion and relegation for the next five seasons. And for many years, relegated clubs in Mexico could purchase the playing license of a promoted club and stay in the Primera Division. Despite this, Liga Mekis' popularity remains incredibly high in the United States. If MLS dreams of being the league of choice for soccer fans in the United States, States, then by not having pro-rel and using a playoff to crown its champion, it already bears similarities to the country's most popular sports league, Liga MX. So I think Bill is arguing and saying, okay, well, if uh, Liga MX is the most popular league in the United States in terms of soccer, uh, in terms of viewer numbers, and um, and they're doing away with pro-rel, then maybe Major League Soccer is on the right path with uh, uh, not having pro rel, but at the same time, I, I would argue that um, NFL doesn't have pro- promotion relegation. But just because they don't have promotion relegation, that doesn't that, that's not the reason why it's the most popular league uh, on U.S. television, a sports league in the United States. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think the, actually the playoff angle is a little more interesting. What, what Bill said. So on pro rel, I would say very basically, Mexican fans, Liga MX fans, have strong attachments to their to clubs that are generational, uh, multi-generational, and those clubs generally are first division clubs. Uh, there are some exceptions. There are some teams when Nacoxa got relegated, when Leon got relegated, uh, and, and, and came back up in Leon's case, uh, that, that um, impacted it. But um, in general, there isn't that much interest in uh, the Segundo division in Mexico, and, I, and, I, and the, the fans tend to be fans of bigger clubs. So I think Doing away with pro rel, uh, while it, it's very distasteful for some fans, some Mexican fans I talk to think it's ridiculous. Uh, it, it, it makes it easier for them on a TV side with Televisa, etc. Now, the playoff thing I think is interesting because Mexico's playoffs are so exciting. I would argue because they split their season. And because they have an Apertura and a Clausura, and they're like these mini tournaments, and you can have a team like Monterrey, who we know has the highest payroll of any team in this region in football, uh, and has the the most star-studded cast of players of any team in, in North America, uh, finish eighth in their in their uh, uh, Apertura season, and have to then you know play play their way in uh, through the playoffs to, to, to win another crown and get back into CONCACAF Champions League. I think that's very exciting because they split their season. The MLS playoffs, however, are not as exciting or it doesn't correspond as well because you have a long regular season, which is not that much shorter than most European league seasons, and then you have playoffs. So the Mexican league, because they split their season, those, those games and those Apertura and Clausura, they matter. Because you do have a playoffs, but you have to get into the playoffs, and you're only playing 10 or 12 or 14 regular season games, so they matter. Whereas in MLS, they don't. Let's face it, you're playing 34 matches, and then you have playoffs, and almost everyone gets in. So what would you say is the, the level of second division soccer in Mexico? It's low. It's low. So, and with U.S. soccer in terms of, you mean, the USL championship, 
um, that level, what would you say that level's led? Um, and it, it could, could, it's cause, gotten cause lower. Of, it's gotten lower because of MLS expansion and USL's expansion. It's diluted the talent pool. I would argue five, six years ago, NASL uh, and then uh, some USL teams, Orlando City, when they were still in USL, were playing at uh, what we would consider now a low MLS level. Yep. But because of it's tough to judge the U.S. because of the constant expansion and dilution of talent. The talent pool is not growing. Uh, core, or the coaching talent pool, or the referee talent pool is not growing as quickly as the number of clubs in these leagues as they expand and overexpand. Yep, yep. And, and I think back to teams like uh, Charleston Battery. Uh, yeah, even, e- even going back... They could have played in the MLS right. for a number of years, Charleston. Rochester Rhinos. Definitely. They were MLS level. So the, the, there's been teams that have been at an MLS level but have not had an opportunity to go play in MLS... Uh, and now I think we were with teams that are more reserve teams and, and some smaller teams. Yeah. Um, but, I, but, but I think I think promotion relegation would ha- uh, help Major League Soccer. Uh, but, but that's not the only reason that uh, I think they, they could improve Major League Soccer in terms of making it a more exciting package. And, and you going back to talk, talking about the, the playing level, uh, from this past weekend watching some of these games, um, there wasn't any MLS games that I watched that I was blown away by the quality level. So what I saw was like with Inter Miami. Uh, so, I mean, Robbie Robinson, a, a player from college, uh, somebody I wasn't familiar with, watched him play. His level of play was a lot slower, a lot poorer than what I'm used to seeing in, in other games. That's, that's just one person. But overall, the quality level was decent, but it wasn't as good as what I'm seeing from other leagues. And and, and that that's a bigger reason. Really, I think in terms of the quality level within Major League Soccer, is decent. It's, it's growing. It's getting better. A lot of these players are from CONCACAF and from South America. It's hit or miss. So there's some MLS games, I would argue, that the quality level, and I know I'm going to get killed for this, the quality level is as high, if not higher, than a lot of Premier League matches. There are also MLS matches that I watch where I say it's no different than USL. So it is all over the map. And you don't know what you're going to get when you tune in. Whereas you kind of know, you can be disappointed by matches in the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, uh, uh, Liga Mekis, but you kind of have more of a consistent level of, of, of play. Whereas in MLS, there are some spectacular matches. There are some matches where then I'll make a fool out of myself and go on Twitter and say, this was better than any uh, Premier League match this weekend. And they get thousands of, of comments from the Premier League uh, lynch mob on, on Twitter. <laughs> then there'll be other matches I watch and I'll be like, my goodness, this league doesn't even look like a first division. It looks like a, a a, a, a second division with bad players with bad touches, constantly out of position, bad giveaways, poor goalkeeping errors. So that's the problem with MLS, I think, Chris. Overall, when you talk about level of play, it is you can't judge it right. because it's all over the map. Yeah, yeah. And, and watching the LAFC against Inter Miami, even the LAFC too, I mean, some of the, the plays that were happening in that game were, were pretty poor uh, in terms of the quality level. I mean, so there's room for improvement there. Um but at the end, of the, there's, we could do a whole podcast on, on the things that Major League Soccer could improve upon to become more of a player uh, in the world's game. Uh, they're not there yet. Um, they're heading in the right direction, and uh, we'll, we'll keep on watching it closely. Next up is Ted Hill. Ted Hill says, are you guys tracking advertised kickoff times for Major League Soccer games versus actual kickoff times? Saturday night, Nashville versus Atlanta, advertised at 8 p.m. Eastern. Kickoff was just after 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So we're not, we're not tracking it. Uh, Andrew Das from the New York Times tracks it. And uh, that's, that's something that uh, he follows very closely. If you follow him on Twitter, you can go ahead and actually see that. But it's something we were very aware of. It seems to happen in, in some games. 
So soccer united marketing games. So, so whether it's Major League Soccer, uh, U.S. national team games, or Mexican games, is that uh, the kickoff times are, are it's a bait and switch. Yeah. Last but not least is uh, Chris Hardy. Chris Hardy says, I'm writing to ask if you all could rank the top five leagues according to popula- popularity worldwide. I'm referring to the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, and Ligue 1. And uh, also, what makes these leagues top five and not Eredivisie or, or the uh, Portuguese League? Uh, these seem like small leagues compared to the big five. I don't understand. So where would you rank these these uh, teams, Kartik, in terms of popularity worldwide? Uh these leagues, yeah. So one's the Premier League. Yeah. I think two's La Liga because of the power of Barcelona and uh, and uh, uh, Real Madrid. I think three is now the Bundesliga. I think they've moved ahead of Serie A because Serie A has had a bit of a, and I, I I think Serie A is better than it's been in about ten years. Uh, and that, and if you watch at Atalanta, they're probably the most fun team to watch in Europe. Um, but there, there just seems to be an image issue with Serie A. Um, I, and, I, I, and Liga, uh, because of PSG, maybe they're ahead of Serie A too now. I, I, and I think there's just a lot of French speakers in Africa. There's been a, a real good marketing effort by, by uh, Qatar, who owns uh, 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 PSG. So actually, 3, 4, and 5 are kind of fluid. I put the Bundesliga there now, but next year it might be Serie A, it might be Liga, uh, but I think 1 and 2 are the Premier League and La Liga. Yeah, so one and two, I agree. Uh, three, four, and five, I'd say it's it's everyone else. It's yeah. it's. I mean, you can combine the Bundesliga with Serie A with Ligue 1 and some other leagues, including Eredivisie or uh, the Portuguese league, and it's just they're one in, in one giant bu- bucket. Now, why they aren't as popular as the other leagues? They don't have the uh, as successful the teams. They don't have uh, the stars. Uh, the playing levels aren't as good. Uh, it's not as exciting to watch. Uh, and actually, a big reason too is the production value. If you watch a uh, Portuguese league game, the production value, especially in the United States on Gold TV, is not that is is, is pretty bad to be to be completely I, honest, honest with you. I wonder about time zones here because I was talking to a player agent this week, a player agent here in the U.S. who told me he's now watching the Indian league because it's on ESPN Plus yeah. and there are always games on when there's nothing else on. So you yeah. sometimes wonder about timings and, and those kind. And then I think back to my own experience of I used to watch the Australian A League for that same reason when yeah. I was uh, when I wouldn't watch anything but football. Now I'm a little more diverse in my interests again. But um, yeah, I, I I guess that might play into it as well. When when games air. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so listeners, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. A big shout out to Nate Aberea and our other podcast, The Heart of the Game podcast, that comes out every uh, Monday morning. Uh, last week, we had uh, Danny Higginbotham uh, on the interview. And coming up this weekend, we have the one and only Peter Drury. And Peter is uh, someone that doesn't do a lot of interviews. Uh, he's one of the best in the business. Uh, there's actually a lot of people that uh, like his style. There's a lot of people that don't like his style. So we, we get more into that in depth. And it's really, really a great one-on-one interview. And we've got some more interviews coming up soon, uh, which are going to be a, a great compliment to what we're doing on this podcast. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the podcast uh, across uh, pretty much every podcast player every Thursday. Uh, If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And Kartik, heading into another weekend, we've got the Manchester Derby. Uh, We've got uh, the second week of Major League Soccer. We've got the Gladbach against Dortmund, uh, important game in the... uh, 
Bundesliga, we got a um, bunch of championship games. Yeah, on ESPN Plus. Yeah, West and uh, what else is there? there's uh, Atletico and Sevilla in La Liga. It's going to be a great weekend. But uh, no matter where they are, no matter what they do, no matter what league they watch or, or team they support, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.